this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Katie Mulligan, Editor-in-Chief of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. For this week's episode, I talked with Tyler Brennan, the founder and CEO of Race Day Quads, an e-commerce retailer that sells parts and components for drones, specifically first-person view drones, which you'll hear Tyler explain in a minute. I first met Tyler earlier this year at ACG Chicago's manufacturing conference where he spoke on a panel about regulation, and I knew that I wanted to interview him for this podcast after I heard about the company's backstory. Tyler founded Race Day Quads five years ago when he was just 21 and doing some competitive drone racing. He and his friends were going through drone parts so quickly that they were hard to replace, so Tyler started sourcing parts and selling them himself. Since then, Race Day Quads has grown quickly, and it's not even Tyler's only job. He's also a fighter pilot in the Air Force. And because of that other occupation, almost from day one, he's managed Race Day Quads remotely. A lot of business owners have found themselves in a similar position recently because of the COVID-19 outbreak, so I asked Tyler to talk about his experience and advice that he has for business leaders that are now trying to run their companies from home too. I also want to note that Tyler and I spoke for this episode earlier this month on April 10th. You'll hear him mention a recent high watermark in sales, and just given how fast everything is moving and changing in the world, I wanted to point to that exact date. Okay, it's time to talk about drones. Here's my conversation with Tyler Brennan, founder and CEO of Race Day Quads. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. So to start, can you describe Race Day Quads and talk a little bit about your business model? Sure. So Race Day Quads is an e-commerce, uh, 100% e-commerce based direct to consumer uh, retailer for drone racing, parts, drones, associated accessories. Um, our business model, we buy wholesale from China and sell retail director to consumer you know in my personal philosophy always run the business has been to uh kind of aggressively put the customer first in a nutshell that's what that's what rdq is that's what we call it for short and i'm coming from outside of the drone world certainly and i was not familiar with first person view drones before i met you so i wondered if you could talk a little bit about that yeah sure so you know, they're not like uh, when when people say drone, you usually think of you know something you go buy at Best Buy or you know like the white drones with four rotors with the camera hanging underneath and the guy like you know doing a residential shoot on a property right for a for a for a real estate listing or something. And these are completely um, different. They are uh, about twice the size of your fist. They have a camera on them and they transmit the camera video uh, to goggles, which the user wears. Um, and then through the goggles, they're completely immersed in this video that's transmitting from the drone. So it creates a very immersive, heart pounding, thrilling kind of experience because it's not, it doesn't feel like you're flying a drone. It feels like you're flying. And because of that, you know, the sport is really only about five years old now. Um, and because of that, it's it's gained a massive following all over the world. A lot of people have seen them on, uh, you know, ESPN, and they've been on NBC on various TV shows and competitions, and they're kind of dubbed as many as like the sport of the future. 
and most of my most of my uh, customers actually just fly very recreationally. There are racing leagues and and things of that nature, but most people just will you know build a drone, go out in their backyard or the local park or or wherever down the side of a mountain, you know, you know, flying between trees through obstacles, things like that. Race Day Quads has such an interesting origin story that I'd like to ask you to talk about. I mean, you founded this business when you were super young and it's not even your primary job. So I wondered if you could talk about like how, how you founded the company and then, you know, how this fits in with your other responsibilities. Yeah, totally. It's uh, certainly unorthodox, but you know, it's, we've, we found a way to not only make it work, but make it thrive, um, which has been really cool. So, you know, flashback to the very beginning of 2016. Um, and I had just discovered this fort. I was still in college, a senior at the United States Air Force Academy studying economics. And I was a, a extremely avid, uh, FPV drone pilot. And that's kind of where it all started. So I had basically six months between my graduation at the Air Force Academy and the beginning of Air Force pilot training. Um, And in those six months happened to fall the drone national championship for racing. Um, And I said, you know, this is like my one shot at it. I'm going to, I'm going to push really hard. And so I trained, I trained like anybody else would train, like any professional athlete would train for a sport, you know, and I trained with other guys that were, that were local to me. And what we found was we simply literally could not get the parts that we needed at the rate that we were going through them, you know, because we were flying every single day, multiple times a day and really pushing our stuff as hard as we could. So we literally could not get the parts. They weren't in stock. And, you know, I saw this as kind of, I really didn't see it as an opportunity, but for some reason, you know, my buddies were kind of like, dude, Tyler, you need to fix this for, for whatever reason they dubbed me as like the person to fix it. So I, um, you know, with really no intentions of starting a business or a store, I bought parts that we were flying uh, normally in bulk from China and then just sold them to my buddies out of the back of my Jeep, you know, and then after that they would, it kind of grew from there. And they're like, Hey, I told my buddy, he's in, you know, California, he wants to buy stuff from you. You should make a website. It's like, all right, I go, you know, research e-commerce and find Shopify. So I launch a Shopify store and, you know, before you know it, I'm running orders out of my kitchen. Um, you know, it's not, it's not like, it's not like I saw this and was like, Oh, this is, this would be a great business. This is, this could make a lot of money. You know, let's go make a lot of money. No, it was, there was, there was an actual need. And something that I knew um, a lot about and I filled the need. And then, yeah, so my side gig, which you kind of alluded to, which I'm not sure which is my primary gig and which is my side gig. <laughs> it just blends together. Yeah, I know. But, uh, but I, I'm a full-time F-15 pilot in the Air Force. And so, you know, going through that training over really the last three and a half years straight um, has been very time intensive and exhaustive and you know, I've, I've, I've grown the business and run the business pretty much remotely uh, the entire time. So it's presented interesting challenges, but also uh, very, I would say, unique benefits to it that I found along the way. Yeah, and that was something I wanted to ask you about today. I mean, I we should say we met at ACG Chicago's manufacturing conference before all of the 
COVID-19 stuff happened and, you know, at that point wanted to interview you, but I think even now it's, it's more relevant, especially on the um, angle of remote management, because that's something that you've always done. And now a lot of business owners are finding themselves in that position sort of involuntarily. So I wondered if you could talk about that and if there's any, you know, advice or insights that you would have for other companies that you've learned along the way. I'm a young guy. I started the business when I was 21 and now I'm 26. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sure I don't have quite as much business experience as uh, a lot of the listeners, but at the same time, I've, I've kind of found a way to make this work. And from my very first employee, I've run it remotely. I've never worked with an, the only time I, I was hands-on with the business was the first six months and it was all out of my kitchen, you know? So I know nothing other than running the business remotely. It's tough on managing people. It's good on managing the business, kind of what I've found. But, you know, I, every business is going to have its own quirks, uh, obviously. And for someone that is not used to running something remotely and having to move to running it remotely, I would say focus on your people first. And, you know, if you're used to, used to running it hands-on, then you know you have the right systems in place. So focus on your people, have your people follow your systems, and then figure out what other t- what else you can do with the time you now have since you're not there doing the day-to-day and start looking at metrics that you've never looked at. Start really delving into your competitors' websites like in the nitty-gritty. Like I, I would do things to the, to the point where like I would, on my personal email account, I would just submit a ticket to my competitor and see how fast they respond. Oh, what is there, you know, like things like that is if I'm sitting there and fulfilling orders every day, I'm not going to have the opportunity to, to go in and do that, you know? And, and so kind of do in doing that, I can pick little bits and pieces that I see around the industry or, you know, research things that are just read blogs and read books and et cetera. Yeah, just just being innovative and, and being one step ahead of the competitors, which I think for the most part, we are always like 10 steps ahead of the competitors. And part of this is because I can sit back and just have a big picture kind of view on it. For context, can you give us some more perspective on size of race day quads and how fast you guys are growing? Yeah, sure. So we have 30 employees. When I was at the conference a couple months ago, we had 25. So, you know, this has been amidst the COVID-19 pandemic and everything. Like we are yesterday, actually we had our record sales day outside of a black Friday weekend. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. It was really cool. The last three days, last 72 hours have been record three day streak outside of black Friday, which has been really cool as well. But yeah, so 30 employees, but it doesn't sound like a ton. But when you think about, hey, we hired our first employee about three years ago. Two years ago, we had five employees. And then about a year and a half ago, we had about 15 employees. So we're kind of on that exponential growth on, on you know, the, the employee side of things. So it doesn't sound super rapid, but, you know, one to 30 employees with an absentee owner operator in, in about three years, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with that. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned sales, even with the pandemic, can you talk about 
what other impact, if any, this crisis has had on the business? You know, has your has your supply chain been affected? I know you mentioned sourcing parts from China. Yeah, sure. So the supply chain has definitely been affected. Um, the good part is that uh, more than any other company, we were prepared for it, I think. You know, frankly, the later half of 2019 was tough on my competition. I heard just stories of multiple companies having money issues, make, having layoffs. And so because of that, I don't think that they were able to uh, really stock up in a way that you should going into Chinese New Year. Um, typically, you know, name of the game for any warehouse, e-commerce company, anyone that holds stock really is to hold as little stock as possible without going out of stock. So for us, that looks like, hey, we carry like 25 to 30 days on average worth of inventory at any one time because our average lead time is about three weeks. Um, our average lead time right now has turned into about eight weeks. But moving into Chinese New Year, we bumped it up from 25 days worth of inventory to 60 days worth of inventory. So that took a lot of cash on the table. and We spent almost every cent we had in the bank account and maxed out one of our credit cards, et cetera. But now we were sitting on a ton of inventory and it turned out that it, that it paid off because all these other stores went out of stock very, very, very quickly. And we suddenly have now become like almost literally the only place that you can go and find a lot of these parts that people buy in stock. That's why when other people are laying off half their workforce, we're hiring more people. And did you have any outside funding going into this crisis? Um, yeah, good question. So I've funded it uh, originally from the company with $10,000 from my bank account and, and never took any loans uh, other than for this, uh, for the inventory leading up to Chinese New Year. It's become like an industry standard for a lot of stores to go out of stock early March every year because they just run out of inventory following Chinese New Year. Hmm. I took out a Shopify. Shopify has a loan program that they do. It's really like cash advance. And I negotiated with Shopify because I have a very strong sales tree. And you know, they'll they'll go out there and say, hey, we'll give you 200 grand up front. You owe us $210,000 and we're gonna take 4% of your daily sales until you pay it all back, you know? And so I, I went in and ne negotiated some little parts of that and made it kind of work for us. And I took that cash advance and with that cash advance, I went out and bought a, a bunch of in, uh, inventory, but that's really been the only, the only loan that we've taken and it paid off really well. Um, one thing I did want to touch on in this conversation is regulation. That was, you know, a prevailing challenge for the drone industry heading into the crisis. You know, how do regulatory hurdles, how have they impacted the types of drones that you're involved with and, and race day quads generally? But really the main regulation has been on specific items that we can sell. For example, there was a company in our, in our space that uh, got hit with a pretty hefty fine um, for selling uh, non-FCC approved video transmitters uh, that were transmitting on non-approved uh, uh, frequencies. Um, some companies that have gotten in trouble for uh, not shipping out 
uh, lithium polymer batteries correctly. So, so it's not so much that it's like restricted us from selling, but um, certainly when you get to the size that we are right now, we're really the only company in the space that has not had a major fine imposed by some kind of regulatory agency thus far. Oh, so, um, you know, we're doing our best to dodge, dip, dive, duck and dodge. But, um, you know, I, I feel like it's coming eventually. It's not because of what we sell. It's more because of, you know, how we sell. Or when I say we, I mean the industry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that we've, you know, we're, we're looking at closely and making sure that we're following the proper regulations in this and that. But at the same time, like, for example, the, uh, the, the requirement now for businesses to pay sales tax on online sales to all the states has been very, um, you know, I, I can certainly see where a lot of companies are going to get themselves in hot water because they simply don't have the bandwidth to go and stick somebody on that. Like we use a program called Avalara uh, to uh, help automate a lot of that. But we also have, I literally have a full-time employee on salary who her only job is to organize and pay these. So not every company can do that. And I know for a fact there's companies in my industry that have not been doing that at all. And they know that they owe taxes, and but they simply don't have the bandwidth, the time. Why? Because the owner is out there picking and packing the boxes, et cetera. So. Hmm. Flying drones seems like it could be an activity that would be compliant with social distancing right now. Have you been doing any drone racing while you've been sheltering in place? <laughs> no. So we're still working. They've deemed uh, fighter pilots as essential employees. So we're still working like normal, um, albeit, you know, not not all of our like supporting agencies are, you know, op- operating at full capacity. So we're not quite flying as extensively as we can which is why i can talk to you here on a friday afternoon but no i've hasn't really changed a ton for me well thanks so much for joining me on the podcast tyler absolutely thanks so much Kevin. thanks for listening to this episode of middle market growth conversations subscribe to the podcast in apple podcasts or google play where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help other listeners find out about us. If you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the podcast, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Please email them to editor at acg.org. I'd also encourage you to check out our website, middlemarketgrowth.org, for more content covering the middle market, private capital investment, and trends in middle market M&A.